Hi everyone, um, it's Alex from Birmingham Enterprise Community here. Thanks very much for joining us on the Birmingham Enterprise Community podcast. I'm joined here today by Ian Coburn from Withers Tech. Hi Ian, how are you doing? Uh, very well, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks really much uh, for joining us. Um, really looking forward to today. Um, looking forward to sort of going through the schemes that we've got in place at the moment. The whole point of this is to help our cohort at Birmingham Enterprise Community and everyone else um, listening to this and in the Midlands understand a little bit more of what the current environment is, specifically on convertibles, furlough and investor relationships. And I think you're really well placed for that. But it would be really great if you could just give us um, a little bit of intro about yourself at the beginning, what you do at Withers and uh, how you got here, if that's okay. Um, yeah, sure. Um, that's fine. So um, I'm a, um, a partner in the corporate and venture capital team at Withers Tech. Um, we're a, a legal practice focusing on startups and venture-backed companies and investors. So really IP-rich technology and life sciences companies, we support them right through their life cycle from inception um, through to exit. The practice is split across two core teams. We have the corporate and venture capital team of which I'm a part, and then we have an IP and commercial technology team that sits alongside us. We have offices in London, uh, in the US and in Asia, PAC. My focus is primarily on the UK and Europe. Great. And I think that's a really interesting point, especially on sort of the life sciences, because, you know, there's a lot of work going on with accelerators and science parks at the moment and extending into university work and IP rich projects. Really, you know, specifically a lot of, uh, you know, what's being picked up at the moment and, you know, couldn't be more important than ever. So I know I think you know there's a lot we could go through, but for the purposes of you know starting things off and contextually putting things into place in terms of being through 2008, but I think this is something that we've never seen before. A lot of people don't want to rest on you know it's crisis. We want to look at opportunity and the schemes that are in place. So in terms of you know clients that you've been working with, what you've been dealing with, in schemes that have come up, sort of the convertible loan scheme, you know to start things off. How have you guys been dealing with that? What have you been seeing with? clients that have been looking for alternative ways of financing and how's that really being tackled would you say at the moment well um there's certainly been a lot of interest in the um in the future fund scheme which is the the government's kind of co-investment scheme which is set up as a convertible loan note um it was announced earlier about, about two weeks ago and the initial announcement had quite a lot of detail around about around the terms but less detail about eligibility and um and sort of the application process, although we're expecting a further announcement any day soon. So currently there's been a lot of questions about what it will look like, how you access it, and we've been able to answer some of those with our clients and not others. I think the broad response to the schemes is very positive because certainly venture-backed companies have found a lot of difficulty in accessing the other schemes that have been announced, such as the, the C-Bills scheme, the Coronavirus Business Interruption Loan Scheme, and similar schemes just due to the nature of these companies, often they're pre-revenue or pre-profit and they just can't access those schemes. So the Future Fund scheme certainly as a means of providing specific support for technology companies is seen as a positive move. But there are some concerns, however, particularly at the earlier end, because it appears that under the current structure, the private investment side of it, so the government won't just invest by itself, it's requiring private investors to to come in alongside it, it appears that those private investors would also need to um, invest under a convertible loan. And the, the main issue with that is that would not be EIS or SEIS compliant. And certainly at the, at the early, early end of the spectrum, although not exclusively, sometimes you see it in the later end, that would mean that many investors wouldn't be able to join in with the scheme. So I think, as you say, you know, we're still waiting to hear more in terms of how this is getting implemented. Yeah. 
there's been a fair amount of, I suppose, criticism in terms of what deal, you know, what what's actually getting processed, how many are actually being allocated through providers, etc. As well, do you do you think there will be changes to this? I know at a different point we're seeing some suggestions this morning that furlough may be different and it may be capped from July onwards. Do you think? I mean, there's been a lot of as we say, criticism to some extent in, you know, startup world in terms of, you know, having to have VC backing before. Do, do, do we think that new schemes like the bounce back loan actually fill that gap as well? Or there's still an in between there that needs to be filled? I, I'm not sure the bounce back loan um, scheme would, would fill this gap. I think um, if we're going to fill this, it will need to be a tweaking to the future fund scheme itself. And if I were going to bet on it, I think there will be changes. Certainly speaking with investors that I speak with, and I've been um, keeping track with the BVCA, they've been um, putting out an excellent set of uh, webinars for their members. And I know there's a lot of discussions with ongoing with government and the sense I get, although this is speculative, the sense I get is, okay, I expect there will be some form of change. I think the, the it's a very difficult balancing act for the government because obviously they don't want, this is taxpayers' money, they don't want this scheme just to prop up ailing companies. So they've set it up so it has to be a co-investment model with private investors coming in which makes perfect sense. And there could be a huge volume of deals, obviously, the government is transacting here, and they can't do diligence in all of these and ensure that all of the terms the investors are coming in are the same, unless they set out a fairly prescriptive set of terms. So I suspect that what we'll see is, we'll see little movement on the terms themselves. I think they, and they are broadly in line with market standards. There are a couple of slightly problematic terms, but generally you can see a real effort to make a market standard form of instrument. I think the most obvious tweak from the EIS, SEIS side would be to extend the, the convertible loan note type of instrument to allow for what's known as an advanced subscription agreement, which works in a very similar manner, can sit alongside a convertible note. The difference with an advanced subscription agreement is you remove repayment elements and other EIS problematic elements from it, and, there, and you, bait, you have an instrument that is EIS compatible that can sit very nicely alongside the convertible loan. And that's quite a commonly used um, structure within the private market. And I, I would expect an extension of the type of instrument for private investors to include advanced subscription agreements. Uh, I think that, you know, that's absolutely right. And one thing we have seen changes, but when it was brought out, I do remember that Seed Legals did a survey on this. And I think it was about 45, 50% had actually raised less than the 250K needed to qualify for the fund. And that was a survey of their own members. So it has come on. But I think, you know, it's obviously been slightly lagging behind what we've seen in similar countries like France, for example. Do you think there are things going on in Europe as well that we've seen that we can pick up on and we've still got further to go from other practices? I think within Europe, there are things we can learn from it, although my understanding with actually quite a lot of the, um, the schemes in place in Europe, they're actually sort of facing similar difficulties. So I know, for example, with some of the, the loan schemes that have been criticism within Europe as well, that are just simply accessing them and getting the money in a timely manner. Um, is actually as difficult there as it is in, in the UK. I think, interestingly, um, I understand that in the US, their equivalent of loan schemes is working far far better and, and companies and businesses are getting funds in within a period of seven to, seven to 10 days from, um, from applications. So, I mean, of course, we can look to Europe, we can look to the US and we can learn from those jurisdictions. Although I think ultimately, you know, we have a very good model in the private market in the UK. We've, and we've got good government support and levers already when it comes to early stage financing and i actually think with the future fund the ob there is a fairly obvious and simple fix for us if we want to make that fix um extending it to advanced subscription 
advanced descriptions and just basically allowing more flexibility with the type of instrument that the private investors come in and will fix a huge will fix a lot of these issues that have been identified so no but ian on that point it's really interesting and what you're hearing from the british angel association and the bbca at the current time are they confident that more is coming through do they feel the thoughts are being heard or is there more to be done there because obviously you know we've recently come into a new tax year there have been issues with you know the seis funds and investors pulling out i suppose beyond that what are you hearing in investor communities as well um certainly with the bbca i, I get the sense that they i mean I, Confident might be going too far, but there's an ongoing dialogue that they and other um, stakeholders are having with governments. And this extends beyond the UK, uh, you know, in Europe as well. And it extends beyond the future fund. It goes to C-bills, all the other uh, equivalent um, schemes in place. And I think the, the general sense is that there's a good line of communication. Governments are receptive. The UK government is. There's a sense that the Chancellor certainly does understand. So he does understand the sector. He um, he understands the issues. And I think been a sort of positive response from government. They are listening, I think. But the government is having to balance many, many um, is here. And so I think there is sort of cautious optimism that, you know, the changes certainly the BBCA and the industry are looking for both in the Future Fund, but with some of the other schemes will be made. At the same time, whether they can be made quickly enough, because obviously time really, really is of the essence at the moment, is, is, is another factor here as well. But no, I think the, gener the general sense is the government is being responsive, it is listening, um, and, you know, and, and it is reacting wh where it can. And so people are, are pretty positive about the conversations they're having. With I them. suppose the age-old question that comes from this at the moment is, you know, the two sides of the coin that we're hearing with what funds are doing, as in, are they just investing into the current portfolios or are they actively looking for more deals? I mean, personally, I'm based at working for Google for startups and I know we get sheets around of funds being open for business and, you know, we, it's quite a positive picture that is painted at the moment as well. But a lot of this, you know, in terms of where the businesses are going and who's going to pick up the financing is based on, investor confidence appreciate is obviously quite a capex intensive business in terms of life sciences and where some of the focus may be of the sort of work that you do but in terms of the funds putting in as well do you, do you, do you think that's sort of balanced out as well in terms of new opportunities and new investment going out beyond logistics and medtech for example i think there is a reality that investors are looking uh, you know, one of the in initial reactions they had to this whole pandemic and this whole situation was to refocus um, their attention on their portfolios and there's no doubt portfolio management is in my view what the majority of investors are are looking to do now you know for and you know they've been working very closely with the, the founders of their their portfolio companies to look at their business plans assess their immediate need do they need bridge financing if so for how how long for and i think there is a reality i think that reality will last for for a few months yet and i think there are always opportunities there will be you know, new investments made but there are practical difficulties in making investments into new companies and new teams venture capital is still very much people business there is a huge human side to it and and investors do like to go and meet people and meet teams you know sort of speak to them see the passion really get a feel for what that business is like and i think you know certainly in the immediate term that will be more difficult so i expect to see more portfolio management more bridge financings um and then it will be some months before we see a sort of increase again in volume of new larger rounds but i think i would mean you can always look at arguments to counter that i mean certainly if you consider venture venture capitalists will be uh, sorry investors will be looking for um opportunities where they see them and it may be that actually opportunities to invest in companies that otherwise looked like they were going to be difficult to access 
due to being fully funded but from their existing investors etc maybe now the the situation's changed and there you know there could be opportunities for approaches to companies they wouldn't have otherwise approached but i think on balance you'll see less of the new financings and more of the portfolio management and do you think this is maybe actually a bit of a wake-up call to funding in the uk in terms of where we're putting all the funding in and actually we'll see a little bit more in the regions perhaps outside you know the m25 bubble it's always a hard i think um, it's always a hard one but i think we've been waiting for a wake-up call for a long time in this respect oh for sure and i mean i you know i think um you know and it's obviously a priority for for the government as well i think you know one consequence of this will be people obviously going to be um, much more focused on where they put their capital. And so I don't know if there will be a necessarily a natural change in where, sort of a geographical focus of where you put your money, but certainly there will be a, a change in the surer bets. Will it be, you know, we'll be, you know, we'll be looking at certain sectors ahead of others. You know, where is the real value? And I think, you know, so indirectly, if people are actually focusing much more on where this real value is, and actually we're seeing that companies outside the N25 bubble are actually undervalued um, in comparison to those in London, then, well, yes, you, you would see a, a redeployment of capital towards those companies. But I think it would be a sort of indirect effect rather than anything um, else. You know, to, to build on to that and completely different point about going off on a tangent, furlough is obviously something that's been super important to keep companies going for the time being. We've seen a huge number of applications picked up. And as we touched on earlier this morning, there's actually a little bit of conversation going around in the Treasury, whether actually it's going to be withdrawn from July or whether terms of the, the money going in from the government is going to be reduced do you, do you do you think this is something that needs to go on longer than july at the moment or something that you know we really need to be a bit more aware of um i think there's a reality when it comes to the job retention scheme it can't go on um, for for forever and it can't go for too long i think the, the difficulty with allowing it to go on much longer than july is people become far too reliant on it I don't think that was ever its intention. I think it was always seen as a, a means of ensuring, avoiding mass redundancy, ensuring that when we're through this, the bounce back is quicker because companies aren't having to rehire. Um, people can come back to work. And I think um, inevitably the government was going to have to look to start to phase this out. And so, you know, it's certainly there's a lot in the press today about it. It looks like there will be some form of extension to the furlough scheme, but gradually the, the company is going to try to remove that that, that um, scheme sort of probably on a sector by sector basis and perhaps reduce the amount it's going to to cover in terms of the, the percentage of the wages so you know and, and I think that's right I think that while it will be difficult and while there will be certain businesses that are going to be really you know hit hard once this furlough scheme is, is removed in, in the end it had to be a temporary scheme we can't rely on it for too do long. you in terms of the advice that you've you've had companies coming to you for in, in, in the last month six weeks do, do you try and balance out the sort of convertible scheme with companies employing furlough is it about is there a balance that can be got right between both of those yeah because i think they you know they all the lead to the same thing you know, the, you know the, the context now is you know we're living in a period of huge uncertainty and, and we actually and we don't know how long that period is going to last so you know right now um any founder or any company really needs to focus on the things that he or she can control and to create as much certainty around that as possible and really cash becomes central here and you know bringing in as much cash as possible and then conserving that cash and so on the, the the future fund scheme or just working with your investors to get financing it obviously that's the first part of that so that's bringing in the cash and then furloughing is part of the, the second part of that which is conserving that cash and obviously there are other things companies can do as well to conserve the cash 
And I think one message that I and my colleagues are saying to companies and investors, um, think get as much cash as possible because the, lo- the, more, the longer your runway, the more certainty you have you know, to, to grow your business. And certainly in the earlier stage, you know, if, if you're capitalized and you're, you're still developing your product, you know, the wider economy and the market is less of an issue for you. So my view, a lot of people are talking about Q, Q1 2021 as a, as a target. My view is if you can raise more and get a longer runway, get, do that because you have control over that. You don't have control over the wider macro issues around COVID. And so, yes, um, funding and furlough and all the other aspects are part of that process. And that, that's interesting, actually. I think a lot of companies have been, you know, getting head down if they have got the cash and they've got the runway on what their tech is, what their platform development is, and making sure that that's extended for the longest time possible. Do you, do you think some of that will fall in with R&D, you know, what they're going to be able to claim back in terms of alternative financing model in the future, and that will actually become more important, if anything? Yeah, with R&D and certainly tax credits, I think companies are, are well aware of, um, <clears throat> of of that scheme. And I think that the key with that scheme is just to make sure you are claiming everything you can. When I speak with tax specialists who, who focus on R&D tax credits and claiming them, I mean, I do hear that there is a, a large amount of sort of underclaiming. And so I, th- I think in this period in particular, it, it's very important to make sure you're getting everything you can. So any research into your product or processes just make sure that you're, you're capturing that in your application and then that, that that could be a great help in building up your cash reserves for, for this unknown period normally when we're talking sort of terms of bridge financings we, we know what we're bridging to you know a bridge financing tends to bridge to a full price ground and there's a there's a timeline in mind and you may not hit it at exactly but there's you've got to you know what your worst case scenario is here we're bridging to something we don't really know what the end of this is we don't really know how long we need to bridge for and so anything you can do to increase that runway is, is essential and i suppose to bring this all together for context for the long run do you have any assumptions on where investment's going to go at the end of the year i think you know there have been opportunities with investors coming from overseas looking for opportunities in the uk i know that probably does extend a little bit more into private equity in terms of uh, you know, sharks looking for valuations being cut what do you think the investment environment in the long term holds for everyone? Do we still think that SEIS is going to be the same as it was before? Or do we believe that that needs to get a little bit better to that to actually be able to encourage appetite here domestically? Um, I think in the in the long run, I, I don't know if um, there'll be changes to schemes like SEIS and EIS. I know that we've had a few discussions with investors recently about a simple solution in the shorter term would actually be to extend SEIS or in, um, and or EIS, maybe for specific sectors to to make it more favourable. Certainly, where there those sectors where there's a gap in the early stage funding, um, we, we um, I haven't heard anything concrete about whether or not that's going to happen. I think in the longer in the longer term, whether we see um, changes to the the UK's well the, the support UK business gets from the government in the technology sectors. Um, to be honest, I think it's very hard to tell. And it, the government's been very clear that technology and life sciences are central to um, to what it wants to achieve with the UK. Um, so in terms of investment environment, Ian, for the long term, I think what we've heard of and seen, and there's, there's enough media going around at the moment in terms of valuations going down, companies being reset and investors coming more from overseas at the moment. Obviously, recent new tax year, SEIS is being looked at. We're not in a, an environment, I would say, 
typically where SCIS investment is the best to, to pick up at the moment. For the long run, do you have any sort of predictions that you'd say in terms of where investment is going to go here, if there is going to be more domestic focus or are we going to see more from overseas? Um, well, we've certainly seen a sort of increased interest from US investors coming over to the UK and setting up in in London. I, I think certainly they are seeing, even before this crisis, they were seeing value in the UK and in Europe. Prices in the US were getting very high. And so that process may well continue. I think um, it's very difficult to predict in terms of sectors where investment will go, because it does um, relate to, to the relative values. But there are obvious sectors who are going to, to actually benefit from from this pandemic uh, e in economic terms. And so whether we see a, a, an increase in capital moving towards pure software companies, um, companies op operating within, I think there are certain life sciences companies and, and digital health companies that may well do well. I think we, we could see a move towards that. And so, you know, within industries that have, um, have benefited economically from the back of this crisis. But that's very hard to say because there will be businesses who are in industries that look like they're going to be very badly hit, sort of leisure and hospitality, who may well be priced um, favorably. And if uh, we've spoken with some um, clients who are in those industries where, you know, their investors are still fully behind them and they are, they are bridging them because they think in the longer run, it's still a, a great bet. So it's, there are so many variables involved. I think it's very hard to predict. And one thing I always ask at the end of any video or podcast that I do, do you any interesting startups, any interesting scale ups that you're seeing at the moment that are coming out of the woodwork? It, it may be in logistics and it may be in medtech, it may not be. But anything that you've got your bets on at the moment is going to be interesting, even in an industry perspective or a specific startups perspective in, in, the, in the long run. We've acted for a few clients over the years. It's a bit of an obvious one, but we've, you know, certainly sort of online-based healthcare, um, both um, sort of doctors but and, and for vets, you know, we, we've sort of got animal-based healthcare clients and those, it's very interesting to see the interest that's now going to those companies. Some, you know, some, some haven't been accessing, some haven't been doing quite as well as they would have liked maybe in the past few years and all of a sudden it's been a bit of a game changer for those. And I think it's not a surprise to see more interest in those companies. I think what surprised me though is the, is the speed at which that, that's changed and the scale at which that's changed. And I do think we're, we're now looking at a situation where people are accepting that we're not really, even at the end of this, we're not going to return to what we were. And there are certain industries that are gonna be very well placed now to optimize their own business on the back of the changes we're seeing. And certainly I think any online business, you know, and I think that any, any business that's focusing purely online now is looking um, very favorable. I think that's I think that sums things up really well. I think, as you say, logistics, online pharmacies, what we're going to see in terms of response to the long term. I don't think we're going to be coming out of this as quickly as we may like to. Um, but certainly, you know, there's, there's a lot there that we can keep looking at. But uh, but Ian, that that's been really great. Thanks so much for your time. I think you know we touched on a, really, a lot of great things that give a lot of context to what people need to be aware of at the moment and where they can go. And I always ask as well at the end, in terms of resources that Weathers Tech have, any recommendations that you're working with at the moment that you pass out to prospective clients or for further reading and further further access to that. Um, well, we've got a, an ongoing sort of insight section on our website that's got regular updates from all our teams related to, to COVID-19. So that and that covers sort of corporate matters, technology matters, but also employment, uh, insolvency, 
personal tax. So I think we've got our own resources that I'd recommend people have a look at. But the other resource I'm finding very useful at the moment is certainly um, the BBCA. I think the work they're doing is very good and, and much of that is publicly accessible. I would have a look at that as well. And of course, I mean, I, I do think the government's own pages are actually very useful. I've been going on to those in terms of sort of letting businesses in different sectors know what might be available to them. Perfect. Cool. I think there's a lot that can keep us in context there. And it's certainly just about understanding this as best we can and acting and acting as quickly as we can. So, Ian, that's great. Thanks once again for joining us and we'll catch up again really soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks very much, Steve. Thanks for joining us on the, on the Birmingham Enterprise Community podcast and we'll be back with you really soon.